across the United States, masks and vaccines designated to protect against COVID-19 are now at the center of new culture wars. And increasingly, it seems that school boards are the new battleground. Some parents have been showing up to school board meetings in droves to oppose mask mandates and vaccinations. School board members have been intimidated and threatened for supporting COVID-19 safety precautions. Students in some school districts have even been walking out of class to protest mask mandates. And teachers in other school districts, some of them have refused to get vaccinated. At least 13 employees of the Miami-Dade County Public Schools have died from complications of COVID-19 since August 16th, this according to NPR. Those who died include teachers, school bus drivers, a security worker, and a cafeteria manager. Um, school several school districts are now considering max vaccine mandates for teachers and staff, including those in Los Angeles and other major cities. And um, breaking news, the Los Angeles Unified School District, they are considering a vaccine uh, mandate. Now, there is a growing anti-vax movement um, in part fueled by Donald Trump's upcoming Liberty Tour featuring anti-vaxxers. There are also several U.S. states and territories that have not implemented mask mandates as of now, including major ones like Florida, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, Virginia, and several others. In a growing number of states, the Delta surge of COVID-19 is forcing hospitals to plan for or implement rationing of intensive care units of ICU beds. Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Florida, and Arkansas have less than 10% left of their ICU bed capacity. This according to data from the Department of Health and Human Services. Let us go now to see how uh, that is playing out in the state of Kentucky. A clip here from CNN. Vera Middleton was so sick, doctors considered putting her on a ventilator. She refused, opting instead to pray. God has brought me where I am right now, and I'll praise him from now She's getting everything but the ventilator and improving. The 66-year-old great-grandmother from the small town of Olive Hill, Kentucky, says she and her husband talked about getting vaccinated but decided against it. Do you have any idea where you got COVID? Yes. My granddaughter had gotten sick, and it just went through one, and, you know, everybody seemed like a day. Increasing its biggest COVID-19 surge yet, cases and hospitalizations spiking sharply to levels never seen before. Deaths, too, on the rise. Hospitals everywhere just trying to keep up. It's defeating to put another person on the ventilator. It's defeating to watch a healthcare provider that I care about or myself stand at the bedside when someone dies alone. Um, it's also defeating to watch somebody else get put in a body bag. Moorhead's St. Clair Regional Medical Center is the biggest facility providing health care to 11 counties in rural northeastern Kentucky. It can't expand capacity fast enough. It's like we're at a war with this virus. 
And I think what we have to understand is we're not at a war with each other, whether you, you know, your beliefs and those things, it's, it's truly a war with this virus. The National Guard is helping here. A federal disaster medical assistance team is also on hand and still they need more. We right now, um, based upon our number of staff beds, we're running about 130% above capacity. 130% above capacity. That, and that's ICU beds, regular COVID units, regular patients, e uh, emergency department, everything across the board? That's correct. The hospital has created yet another COVID ICU, but doesn't have the staff to open it. So if this opened today, how quickly would these beds be filled? Within the hour. We could fill it within the hour. St. Clair is trying to keep those with COVID out of the hospital by providing monoclonal antibody treatments at home. All right, you're running. Awesome. Madison Owens was fully vaccinated and still picked up the virus. It spreads like wildfire. Pretty, it's easy to get, and it doesn't matter who vaccinated or not. Everybody's getting it. A nursing student, the 21-year-old, believes she picked it up at a funeral. Hospitals across the bluegrass state so full with COVID-19 patients, almost the entire system stretched to the limit. So I get really fearful when we need beds for folks who their diabetes is out of control and they need an insulin drip or, you know, they have regular old community-acquired pneumonia, we might not have a bed for them. If you come in and have a heart attack and you need an ICU bed, we probably won't have a bed for you. Just amazing. Um, they're talking about that we are at war with the virus, uh, not at war with each other, but uh, the nation uh, very split in uh, some parts with uh, over individual liberties versus public health and the right not to get uh, vaccinated, the right not to wear a mask raging across uh, the United States. And indeed, in some areas, um, uh, protesters are actually not only attacking and threatening members of school boards, but also trying to shut down sites where people are getting tested or where the vaccine is being given. I'd like to welcome back to Sojourner Truth, Dr. David Hamelstein, who is a distinguished professor of public health at the City University of New York, a lecturer in medicine at Harvard Medical School, and a primary care doctor in the Bronx. Dr. Hamelstein co-founded Physicians for a National Health Program, a group whose 23,000 strong members advocate for Medicare for All. Dr. David Hamelstein, Welcome back. It's been um, way too long, actually. Thanks Thank for you for joining you. us. All right. Okay, so uh, given things are now, I mean, a, a, a few things before we get into the, uh, the great debate and uh, the culture wars that are happening, just your assessment as to where we are now as a nation um, with fighting uh, COVID-19. Well, we're in a lot of trouble. The fight is going poorly, and um, both because of the culture wars and, frankly, the, the Trump and his legion of followers really poisoning the waters. But the, the troubles extend way, well back before then. I mean, we, we had a commercialized uh, health care system that bred um, distrust and, and neglect of people. I mean, as 
Nikki Giovanni said, uh, for 30 years the healthcare system didn't care about my diabetes. Why all of a sudden do they care about vaccinating me? And I think that's sort of indicative of you can't all of a sudden say, well, now our healthcare system is going to take care of people when it hasn't been for, for a generation or more. Um, we've had a weakened public health infrastructure, and you can't rebuild that on the fly. And frankly, even under the uh, Biden administration of politicized uh, centers for disease control and prevention. So we have, um, we're, we're fighting a very uphill battle at this point, and um, not just in the U.S., but the U.S. neglect of global health means that vaccination rates, they're too low in the U.S., but they're abysmally low in most of the uh, oppressed nations of the world that can't afford the vaccine because our pharmaceutical policy makes it un unaffordable for them. So we're breeding resistant strains of the virus all around the world by our policies of saying that we're going to favor drug company profits over getting vaccines to people who need them. Right, and, and since it first spread, uh, over 4.54 million people have died with COVID-19, this according to uh, the CDC. Now um, there's this concern about the spreading Delta variant of the virus, and the seven-day average of new cases on Monday, September 6th, this past Labor Day, was more than 300% than Labor Day of 2021. Uh, this according to new data from Johns Hopkins uh, University. And now, uh, Dr. Himmelstein, there is the concern about children who represent more than a quarter, an estimated 26.8% of weekly COVID-19 uh, cases uh, nationwide. Uh, so, you know, a lot of us had hoped that we certainly would be in a different place right now, particularly vulnerable. I mean, we hear about children and of course, with schools reopening, there's a lot of uh, concern around that. And uh, President uh, Biden today, apparently he will announce that all federal workers must be vaccinated with no option uh, for testing. Uh, L.A. Unified School District, one of the largest in the nation, uh, they apparently are going to be meeting later today to discuss the, uh, you know, mandatory vaccines for teachers and also for staff, and I imagine for students who are old enough to get the vaccine. Um, your thoughts on this, because in that last clip you heard, the clip we just played, someone saying, well, I was vaccinated and I got it anyway. It's getting everybody. And, uh, you know, you're hearing that from people who are unvaccinated. And, for example, we know about the red states, but there are also red areas in places like California. For example, in San Bernardino County, some of those counties, Santa Bernardino in California, in 29 Palms, for example, only 28% of the population are vaccinated. Uh, Dr. Himmelstein. Well, uh, I mean, we, we do know that there are breakthrough infections that people who uh, get vaccinated um, can still get infected. But we also know that when they do get infected with the virus, it's much more likely to be a mild case and, and very rarely um, ends up in the ICU or, or gravely ill. So the vaccine isn't perfect, but it, it's a whole lot better than not being vaccinated. And those are the messages we need to, to get across. But we, we also need the public.
public health measures that um, were starting to, to contain the virus, at least partially, um, before the vaccine w was, uh, uh, was developed. So as you said, uh, a year ago, Labor Day, we had only a third as many cases, and that was because people were wearing masks and practicing social distancing, and um, we weren't having mass gatherings. You know, I, I saw this past weekend um, 107,000 people in a football stadium in Michigan singing the fight song of that university at the top of their lungs. Well, that's, um, that's danger. Even in an outdoor setting, getting people packed close together, singing, that, that's a way to spread the virus. And we need to, to do sensible things in our society in addition to being vaccinated. And frankly, you know, the, the vaccine mandates, we've had vaccine mandates in our country for generations. I mean, a student can't register for school in most states in this country um, without having had the measles vaccine and, and uh, other vaccines. And healthcare workers have long been required to, to be vaccinated against a whole variety of diseases. So um, vaccine mandates are nothing new. Um, what's new is the culture wars around the vaccine mandates and, um, frankly, the, the sense of the American people that the healthcare system hasn't taken care of them for many years and all of a sudden um, they're supposed to react differently to a, a commercialized, profit-driven healthcare system, which um, for this one thing, vaccinating people, we're saying, well, there's an exception, that one's free. But the polls show that actually even a lot of Americans uh, are skeptical that the vaccine is really free. Yeah, and in fact, um, I've, I've heard, I've read some things about insurance that we're now going to begin uh, charging uh, to, for the vaccine. So we'll see how all of this uh, plays out. Now, you know, I know uh, some people who are, who are good people who are vehemently opposed uh, to the vaccine. I mean, there is uh, the vaccines, they're, they're dangerous to people, folks who, uh, women who are pregnant are, you know, worried about it. Uh, I even read something about saying, well, it for women, it makes your period um, worse than it all kinds of stories floating around and people don't quite know what to believe and what not to believe. And then, of course, um, among communities of color, given the history that you refer to and racism generally in healthcare, and you refer to Nikki Giovanni's uh, comment, there is that general mistrust that maybe um, this whole thing is just an experiment, <laughs> you know, a kind of an ethnic cleansing of sorts going. I mean, it's, it's really surprising in, in some ways and in other ways not how many people really believe this sort of thing. And then there's the Mu variant, perhaps you would say a bit about that, and then um, the speculation that generally uh, we're just going to have to live with COVID, that it's not going to go anywhere, and that perhaps like the flu, one would need vaccines on a yearly basis. So there's the controversy you mentioned about the booster shot, for example, where you have countries in the global south, 
struggling, who can't get their hands on vaccines like on the continent of Africa, some parts of the Caribbean region, et cetera. And here in the United States, you have not only people refusing to get uh, vaccinated, but then um, who is saying, the World Health Organization is saying, look, don't start these booster shots until uh, more people in other parts of the world are vaccinated. Any thoughts on any of this, uh, Dr. Himmelstein? Yeah, I have thoughts on a lot of it. I mean, on the last point, you know, it's clear that if we just said patents don't apply here, the drug companies can't hold us hostage, um, we could produce enough vaccine to actually vaccinate people around the world. So it's it's actually an artificially induced shortage of vaccine, and it's um, to boost the profits of insurance companies. The estimate is with a $25 billion investment, we could produce as much vaccine as, as is needed to vaccinate everybody in the world. So um, the, the commercial gain is what's driving the vaccine shortage and, and not any um, naturally uh, occurring vaccine limitations. But on the, the concerns about the vaccine, I mean, there are real side effects of the vaccine, as there are with anything that we do in healthcare, And we need to um, try and, and uh, address those fears and real concerns. Uh, the, the issue is that the, the problem of not getting the vaccine, the side effects of not getting the vaccine, the risks um, from not getting the vaccine are, in fact, we now know quite surely much, much bigger than the risks from getting the vaccine. Even for pregnant women, we now know that. So there's a, a raft of of misinformation that's circulating, much of it um, not just sort of from well-meaning folks, but clearly from malevolent forces that um, are associated with the the, um, the worst elements of our society, Trump and, and his ilk. So that's a, an issue. And, of course, the racism that has pervaded our society for 400 years is um, coming home to roost in a way. I mean, I, one of my colleagues at a, a Boston hospital, the nursing assistant who works for him, said, said to him, she doesn't want to get the vaccine because they give black people a different vaccine than they give white people, just like they take um, different pills out of the bins when, when black people go to the pharmacy as compared to white people. So um, th- those things we don't think are true, but they're founded in real histories of racism and, and real treatment uh, that black people have endured for 400 years in this country. So um, we need to have a very vigorous anti-racist effort as part of the, the uh, addressing COVID in our country. I, I think it is looking like we are going to be dealing with COVID for a long time to come. If we can get vaccination that's more widespread, it, it may end up something like the flu in terms of the number of people who get really sick and um, die from it. But at this point, it's much worse than the flu. We don't know at this point whether a third booster shot would be a um, long-term protection against COVID or whether we'd need to have more booster shots beyond that. Some of the immunologists are telling us they think a a third shot would likely cause long-term immunity, but we don't know that. But the other thing that, that we do know is that as long as 
millions and millions of people are getting infected with this virus without being vaccinated, we're essentially setting up a situation for additional mutations to occur that are likely to eventually be more and more resistant to to the vaccine. So you referred to the mu variant. We don't have a lot of information about it at this point. It's an, a variant of concern, but we don't really know how serious it's going to be. But we can confidently predict that eventually, if we don't vaccinate people in the global south and in, and in the Caribbean um, in very large numbers, that that will be a pool of people who will then be sick and, and eventually mutations will develop there and elsewhere in the world that will come back to haunt us. So fighting this globally is part of fighting it locally as well. Right. And and just finally, I mean, um, you know, I'm hearing from your friends and family, a lot of people concerned. A number of us kind of went into lockdown mode, right, in the um, initial months of, of COVID. And then it seemed as though with the cases going down and deaths going down and uh, various measures being lifted, uh, people kind of, you know, got okay with going out, going out to eat again and going out and, you know, being interacting with, with friends and family. And now particularly with older people, because still you see people 65 and older are the ones that are getting sicker, even though there's an increase in children we're seeing and the concern about, about children. So a lot of people are trying to figure out, well, look, do you know, if you are of a certain age, do you need to go back in a, a kind of uh, sort of lockdown again or not? You know, people are trying to decide, well, should I go out to any large events where there are going to be a number of people or is that too risky or what? Any particular advice now that you would give to people who are really trying to wrap their heads around this and measures that people should take? Yeah, well, I, I thought, frankly, from the outset that the CDC's relaxation of their advice about uh, social distancing and masking was ill-considered, that they were premature in doing that, and we were saying that with our friends right, right when they first said, gee, you don't need to, to mask and you can start going out and doing all these things again. I think at this point, particularly for older people or people with compromised immune systems, um, getting together in small groups with people who are vaccinated, probably okay. Getting large groups and in settings where you don't know the vaccination status of people, particularly indoors, really probably um, to be avoided at this point. Right. And, and just finally, I know that your daughter has worked with, um, uh, you know, uh, COVID patients, et cetera. So just finally, people may be wondering how you are doing, how, how she is doing. We know that there's a lot of pressure, a lot of burnout but on people like yourselves who are, uh, you know, right on the front lines uh, with this uh, COVID-19. Um, I'm fine. My, we'll my daughter has weathered it fine as well. And actually, um, my younger daughter is now working as a resident in Los Angeles at one of the big hospitals there as well. And, and she's doing fine as well. Both of them are, are involved in COVID care, but have thankfully um, both 
been vaccinated and both remain healthy. All righty. Well, we hope, certainly hope it continues to be that way. Thank you. It seems so many members of your family are, you know, really involved in doing this kind of, of, of public service. We appreciate you. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us. And we'll have you back again soon. We were kind of in a, a rather extended uh, fund drive. So we haven't really been covering um, the COVID-19 as much as we would like to. But we certainly are going to be getting back to that as uh, alarm continuing to grow around this. Dr. David Hemmelstein, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I wish you didn't have to cover it anymore in the future. Yeah, yeah wouldn't that be wonderful? Okay.